Hi, I'm Alex Freycon. You're listening to My Therapist and I, a podcast that isn't just about therapy, it is therapy. More specifically, my therapy. This week's session is really reflective, I think, of what therapy is like. And by that, I mean, I went in without really any inclination of what I was going to talk about. And just naturally, through conversation, Dr. Steve and I landed on my relationship with my dad. And we sort of dove into some really deep topics. So, hey, hope you enjoy. I have a touch of AD, and I have a, a lot of ADD, but I have a touch of dyslexia. And so when I saw Ambitious Alex, I actually thought it said uh, Ambidextrous Rex, which I thought was a, a new dinosaur, you know, like. Ambidextrous Rex. I can kill you with both yeah. little arms here. And because they got tiny arms. Yeah. Ambidextrous Rex. It'd be a good band name. <laughs> um, the king of ambidextrous. That's pretty crazy. How, how do you you describe it as a touch of dyslexia? That doesn't sound very like um, scientific. Is that like self-diagnosed? Never or? been diagnosed okay. officially, but I mean, I see vestiges of it all the time in everything that I do. I imagine that made academia kind of challenging. I hate reading. Yeah, I mean, isn't that all you do? Don't you have to read a ton? Read and write. Yeah. Damn. Well, at least you don't, in practice, you don't have to, right? You're just talking and just listening. Talking. Yeah. But that's just a minor, a small part of what I do. Yeah. How many years? Well, I guess you're still, it's ongoing, right? When did you first start your academic pursuit of uh, being a doctor? When we, I guess it starts with undergrad. So all, I guess, here, let me rephrase that. All to, How many years of like education and research have you done? 10 years. Well, 10 years of education. Yeah. And then, but after you're done with those 10 years, it's just nonstop like... <laughs> reading and writing stuff right because you're always publishing stuff and you have to read to in order to do that i imagine yeah so it's like a lifelong journey yeah so almost it's like there's a little bit of like um what's it called sadomasochism Uh you're like i can't do this or this thing i can't it's just frustrates me so i don't like i don't enjoy it and then when (laughs) i get tired it it gets harder and those problems become exacerbated a little bit (laughs) it would be like a T-Rex deciding that it wanted to play volleyball. Yeah. But all they could do is set. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah, here you are. Well, that's bump, um bump and set. That probably speak, speaks to your determination and resolve. Was it a condition? Was it a, when you were like a child could one be diagnosed with dyslexia? I don't know if that was a thing. And certainly ADD was not a thing. Yeah. You go look at my First grade report cards, you know. Yeah. Stephen is talking in class a lot. Stephen is reading things is wrong. Looking out the window a lot. Mm-hmm. Dyslexia stuff has come later, but yeah, I think we talked about that in a previous episode. Or like, um, are we live right now? Yeah, we are. Oh. We have been for two minutes and fifty eight seconds. Okay. It's confusing because I see the record button is red. Yeah. Sometimes me, that red trips. Means stop. Sometimes that trips me up. Like in the yeah. middle of a session, I'll be like, oh my God, did I forget to hit record? So I look over and panic, but no, we're yeah. um, we're live. But I remember a couple sessions ago, I talked about how school, uh, one big takeaway I had from my school was thinking that I was kind of stupid. So yeah. yeah, for similar reasons where it was like, I was very disruptive, always wanted to talk. Um, I, I guess I, like most people, I learned differently, you know? Yeah. So it took me a while. Um, I guess 
not too long because someone left an interesting comment on this very clip. We were discussing this because I mentioned I think it took me about 21 to figure out sort of my approach to learning and that uh-huh. I'm actually, if I do it, if I handle it my way, it's, you know, I can do it quite well. Uh-huh. And the person commented like, not in a mean way. They were just like, wow, that good, like, I'm, I'm envious. It only took you to 21 to figure that out, like that you weren't stupid. It's just like it took me forever. You know, I was still, I'm still working. They were working. being facetious as far no, as No, they tell. were just like, it took, I felt that way <clears throat> well into wow. my adult years. Yeah. And it made me think a little, I suppose it was perspective. Yeah. Because back to sort of mastery, Alex, I just always assume that anytime I struggle with something, it's due to a deficiency as opposed to hearing this complete stranger say, hey, not only did I deal with this thing, I dealt with it a lot longer, mm. and I admire the fact that you got it done so quickly, yeah. where I was like, oh, that was interesting um, context and perspective, I suppose. Yeah. So, what's up, Doc? Yeah, it's it feels like it's been a while. I'm no longer sick. Yeah, that's good. Yep. I'm more interested in your EMDR post. You posted something on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, I had a mega, mega EMDR session. Yeah. And, and uh, also, did then you... you went and talked to George about the EMDR session. So I'm feeling left out. Well, it's your turn. <laughs> Here we are. Dr. Steve, but, not no But I don't know that, I mean, that's on my mind, but I don't know that that's what's important for you to talk about today. I actually don't. Well, I hear both of those. I like it when a therapist has sort of a like drives a little bit yeah you know and poses a question yeah but i also appreciate your concern which is hey what is it do you need to talk about this or do you need to talk about something else um my i suppose you treat each patient differently obviously and and people listening to this podcast might be like well what what should i do um my experience oh, is... But what I just said is what I typically say. I have something yeah. on my mind, but we don't have to go there. Yep. You, you may have something that you've been thinking about. I wish about or... more therapists would do that. Sometimes I struggle with that. Um, George and I talk about this a lot, where he's very much in the camp of like, you tell me like, what's on your mind. Where sometimes, yeah, what's important today. Sometimes I show up and I'm just like, the burden of starting the conversation and carrying the conversation is too much. Yeah. And I want a therapist to be like, hey, so... I was thinking about this thing you said last time, or randomly I wanted to check in on this. Like that feels good. I, I like that because then it takes the pressure off of me to be like, oh, okay, what is on my mind? What is the deep you know, thing that's bugging me? And I don't know, just f- can feel like a lot of pressure. So long story short, I like, I think it's cool when a therapist chimes in with stuff they've been thinking about. Mm-hmm. So um, with that said though, you know, I, I can always, Sometimes if someone's like, hey, can we talk about this? I'll be like, yeah, sure, but let's talk about it later. Uh-huh. I feel like, I don't know, I'm perfectly capable of <clears throat> saying, nope, Dr. Steve, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about my pet fish, Gary, who died two, three years ago, and I still think about him. But that's just an example. We're not going to talk about Gary. Do you ha- Did you have a pet fish yeah, named Gary? Yeah, RIP Gary. Great fish. Great little fish. I taught him how to, um, I would put... A you fi- taught your fish? I put a little fish pellet on my nose and I'd hover over the tank and he'd jump out of the water and eat it off my nose. No. Yeah. <laughs> I got video of it. Wow. Uh, and I couldn't tell. I was like, 
is my fish smart or is this just like innate instinct to kill and eat so strong that it just is like to kill and eat the pellet or kill yeah, and eat you so i got shrimp um to clean the tank you can get little tiny uh-huh. little tiny shrimp you put them in there and they they go around and they clean gary ate all of them he killed 13 of them it was oh. a bloodbath so i think beta fish are extremely aggressive and like oh. t- to kill uh-huh. things yeah. So that's why. Is that with or without cocktail sauce? Uh, I mean, it was without, obviously, because okay. okay. it was in a fish tank. And <laughs> <laughs> it's not shrimp cocktail, just actual <laughs> shrimps. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know if I taught him that or if he just, but it was quite funny. <laughs> I got yeah. a real kick out of that. Um, but anyway, back to my EMDR session on my birthday i told um her name's michelle and i was like hey michelle like i think at the end i was like it's my birthday i think like what a weird way to celebrate my birthday and she's like no this is really this is good work this is good for you to be doing on your birthday <laughs> which i appreciated but I was, I was pretty exhausted i don't know coming out of those sessions i always feel like for how little talking it is comparatively, you know, yeah. compared to a talk therapy session, yeah. I'm far more exhausted after EMDR. Mm. And I don't know if it's just the, um, I think it's go, going through so much. So again, I, I've sort of talked about this, but I feel like I could do a better job explaining the EMDR experiences. I sit down, I hold these little buzzer thingies. There's a light that I follow with my eyes and then, I wear headphones and it goes beep, 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 but on different ears. So it's like tons of stimulants, I guess. Anyway, I sit there for like 45 seconds and I just think. Then she asks me, so what are you noticing? And I summarize the last 45 seconds. We start again. You do that for literally, you know, an hour or whatever. And I think it's the process of in those 45 second stints, my brain goes to many different places. But you're also talking about events and feelings and things like that. Yeah, but but not d- during the session. It's just, what are you noticing? I say what I'm noticing. She says, okay, go with that. And we loop that yeah. for 45 minutes straight. And and she'll ask, do you want to take a break? And I'm like, no. Power through. Power through. But I think it's Gary just... Gary would be proud. Yeah. Attack mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just the process of like revisiting stuff that I hadn't thought about in a long time and then trying to articulate what it is that I'm thinking and feeling. Yeah. And it's tough because I want it to make sense to her. But so I feel like I have to provide like context and stuff. Otherwise, she, she probably doesn't care. Probably doesn't no, need to make sense no, to her. She, yeah. Cause that's, that's why she's saying, go with that then stay there. But, she's not trying to make connections for you. She's not trying to say, don't you see yeah. this unlocks yeah. your, you're repressed, blah, blah, blah. You know, she probably is not doing those kinds of things. I just, my, those are for let's you to do. do this right brain mastery. Yeah. Brain is like, well, if I don't provide context, it won't make any sense to her. So she won't know why this is important to me. But yeah, maybe she doesn't need to. I don't know. She takes notes and for what it's worth, I do it. I keep it succinct because she, she told me, she's like, hey, you know, it's important to just be as succinct as possible. Don't feel like you need to explain it, blah, blah, blah. But uh, it's a it's an exhausting process, especially because like I just start thinking about stuff I haven't thought about in you know years. I for whatever reason, the last session I started thinking about specific rooms in my house. Yeah, which was like whoa, 
you know, and I sort of remembered aspects of the rooms and, you know, like one that stood out was my garage. Our morning routine every morning, uh, my dad would, when we were kids, we couldn't drive, my dad would drive us to work. Um, And I remembered just sort of all of the anxiety of the 15 minutes before we left was always just like kind of pandemonium and there would always be a rush down the stairs and my dad, I just remember all of his sort of, he's very, very punctual and the stress he would feel about being late and getting down into the garage and yeah, so I just remembered that and um, I remembered we had a porch in the summertime we'd have dinner on it and we would, um, a lot of times, you know, dinner was like a emotional sort of free for all a lot of like arguments and stuff like that and i just remembered the setting and where i would sit and just i would remember that like space of you know the four of us sitting down i was like okay who's gonna get yelled at is it my brother like i'll stay out of this it just was literally like every person for themselves sort of a vibe i just remember that feeling um yeah it was just trippy to let these thoughts kind of pop up that yeah when you're young, I don't know. I just remember being a kid and being like ruminating over these things, being like, oh, I almost aware of the fact that I was going to get older. And t- I remember telling myself as a kid, I'm not going to remember this stuff. I'll hold on to it. I'll learn from it. Even at a young age, you know, even at age 10, I remember mm. thinking to myself, okay, you always hear about older people saying they forget and they wish they could remember more from their childhood. I'm going to remember all this stuff. Um, but. <laughs> Lo and behold, just like every other adult, I forgot about it. Now you remembered, though. But this was the first time I went back in a while. And uh, I don't know. It's just, for whatever reason, it's a little bit exhausting. But um, do you ever do you ever take this stuff back to your folks? Do you ever go, I'm doing this EMDR stuff. It's unlocking these things for me. I'm having these memories. And, you know, gee, Dad, you were kind of hell on wheels We when I, when I was a kid. Uh, you know, n- no. The short answer is no, but in a way, um, I guess the only progress I've made, which is when I'm around my dad and he gets anxious, yeah, I see it happening now. F- at you know, much less as something that I've caused, <coughs> but I see it now yeah. as like, okay, he's going through an episode. And I remember one time we had lunch, probably, uh, gosh, not even a month ago. It was right after an EMDR session, which was quite funny. But um, we couldn't find any parking for lunch. And my dad was like, immediately went to, I knew we should have come here earlier. 11.30 was too late. We should have got here at 11.15. We're not going to find, like he just wound up really quick about not being able to find parking. And I remember being like, dad, like on a scale from like one to 10 in terms of anxiety, like, what was that that we just went through? And this was after we found a spot. Everything yeah. was fine. He Sit, was relaxed. Down to lunch, yeah, huh? And he, he laughed. Because um, I was like, because I had you at about like a five or a six. And he laughed at me. And he's like, are you kidding me? That was a two. And he said it in a way that was sort of like, you have no idea what goes on up here. You know? If you uh. think that was a six, man, you should see me at a six. <laughs> and I kind of like, that was the first time he sort of acknowledged like, He's been doing that lately where he acknowledges that he really gets worked up about stuff. Mm. And um, in the past, you know, we we wouldn't talk about that. 
So it's been interesting to... Are you talking about it more? Yeah, just as I see it, you know, I try to get him to um, laugh about it or sort of, hey, this is kind of weird, don't you think, man? Like, come on. So if you you had asked in that moment, well, what's a six like? Tell me, what's a six like for you? He would have gotten uncomfortable. Tell me about a time you went to a 10. Yeah. Then you would... My guess is that you'd start seeing him in a different light. Sure. Sure. He, he, he would become, all the stuff that you put up with in your childhood would probably be more contextualized for you. And you'll be like, oh, I mean, he's going crazy yeah. in his head. Yeah. And that's just spilling out and he can't regulate it. Or so he hasn't figured out how to regulate it. A lot of the EMDR work has been going back and sort of remembering stressful moments for -hmm. example that morning routine was always a lot like he was likely to we would get yelled at just because something would happen we'd end up being late you know he'd get distracted but revisiting those moments and being like oh yeah this is just he was just really wound up ton of pressure work you know high achieving guy a lot of pressure high pressure um, profession you know, he was working as a lawyer at a law firm. You know how lawyers are. They're all nut jobs. Um, <laughs> but as a child. Just lost our sponsor by the Minnesota <laughs> State Bar. That's okay. I just, I think the troubling part and the part that requires processing and healing and emotional healing is when I was a child, I was not capable of observing it for what it was. No, because you're in it and you're in the, you're in the splash zone, right? So you're, you're getting all the leftovers revisiting the lunch situation with my dad if i was eight years old and he had maybe suggested we meet at eleven fifteen, and i had said well can we meet at eleven thirty? if we got there at eleven thirty and there was no parking that moment would have been like you this is your fault i told you we should have come here 15 minutes earlier and so that emotional energy of him panicking or being anxious would have been directed at you and i would have um uh, been like okay yeah that was my i'm you know and then there would have been this whole struggle for well, i don't think i did anything wrong and i don't feel like it's right for me to apologize and that would have spiraled into it well we're not talking until you apologize to me you know that was the kid experience and to see it as an adult it's just it's good to reprocess it and to see what's happening but it's also like i get a little anger in terms of like, come on, man. Like, didn't you, couldn't you just taken a deep breath and be like, oh, wait, tiny little, tiny little small brain children don't really know what's going on. D- not trying to make me late, not trying to usurp my authority, just being dumb little kids. I don't need to yell at them or shame, you know. Um, so when are you going to have that conversation? With <laughs> yeah, I know. We've talked about this. Um, I suppose we're taking baby steps because he gets he's getting more and more comfortable talking about his anxiety. But even now, he, he you can tell he's very um, uncomfortable acknowledging it. He does sort of a. So you, do you go to a protective place? You want to protect him, or you're not sure how it's going to like it, if the shit's going to hit the fan? Yeah, I want to avoid the fan. Yeah, just because it takes a week for him to cool down and you know, that'll be a week we're not talking and we'll have to have a follow-up talk where I'm like, Hey, like I'll have to sort of be like, I wasn't attacking, you know, sort of bring it, bring him back down. 
you would take a couple follow-up meetings and it's just a lot just you know so i think that when you like when you talk about how intense um emdr is yeah and that these spaces are not as intense the intensity of this work happens when you go and do that stuff with your dad when you go and say i'm going to have this conversation with my partner i'm going to go have this conversation i'm going to I'm going to take it out of the therapy office, which yeah, is safe and confined, yeah. and I'm going to I'm going to implement it in my in my life. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the eight year old boy anymore, Dad. I'm, you know, yeah, yes. I'm I'm a 33 year old man. 30, 30, 36. 36. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, whatever. It's all the same. It's all it's all less than me. Yes. So. Oh yeah. God yes. <laughs> so, but that to me is. That's where the rubber hits the road. It's like, mm-hmm. huh. So I'm in here. If I want to have that kind of relationship where I go and say, I'm not, I've spent a lot of my life being that six-year-old, that eight-year-old, late for school, getting yelled at. I, I, want, our, I, want, I mm-hmm. want us to have a different kind of relationship. I don't want to be that way with you anymore. I'm a, yeah. I'm a man. You're a man. Yeah. Which we have a very good relationship now in terms yeah. of, I mean, he very, very rarely, all things considered, sort of goes back to that place. And I think a lot of that is, you know, my dad's older. He's 77. And he's... Oh, man, he's way old. <laughs> but he tells me he is confronting and grappling with his aging process, you know, and how it affects him and things he's observing about, you know, He's in his third act or whatever. That's you all. Call that's all him. That's not. That's not your relationship. Yeah. The relationship, like my experience of you, is that your relationship with your dad is one of the things that hangs over you. Yeah. Not that he's aging. No, no, no. I guess I just meant in the sense that um, he has become easier and easier to talk to about oh, things. Yeah. But um, testosterone is going down. Yeah, and I think more. I mean, he's spent a ton of time reflecting. I wonder if that's what you just said. If that's the majority of it is just. It's got to be some of it. As, you know, he's just felt less whatever, you know, testosterone, which causes him to feel anger intensely, just, just diminished. But, um, yeah, when you were originally, obviously we've talked about this before, and I remember your sort of stance was like, I'm, you know, uh, imitating you. But how I perceived it was like, just, well, I want to hear this. just go do it, man. Just go talk to your dad. And I remember being so angry at you. <laughs> Being like, yeah, easy for you to say, Doctor Steve. Yeah, I get to sit here in this chair. Yeah, but that is a that is something that even ha- as you know, well put together as I sound, or you know, um, doing well, that's something that I that scares me and overwhelms me. I think it's more overwhelming of just knowing that if it goes wrong, which there's a, I, I assume I'm making assumptions. I'd say there's like a 75% to 80% chance it goes south within like 10 to 15 minutes. And then the question I ask myself is like, okay, do I want to go through that process of taking a week, two weeks to mend the fence, even though, you know, I haven't really done anything wrong, but I got to go mend it. And But what does is, what is going south look like? Going south looks like um, uncomfortableness, con- confrontation, um, not sort of how do I describe I can see the look where he is starting his like eyes are starting to glaze over he'll stop making eye contact and Uh he'll just get more and more excited his tone will change he'll become more and more irrational 
and it's just like watching like oh i'm lo-, you know it's like sp- orbit it's like oh we're losing him we're losing oh he's gone you know he's gone okay bail uh, you know abort eject but it, it would come down to him probably storming out of the room and then not talking to me you know not li- literally if we were in the same room for example he wouldn't look at me he would try and he'd you know walk past me really quickly and then what if in those moments you said and so dad you're gonna do this cold shoulder yeah. thing yeah yeah that would be i'd be curious if that would piss him off more to be like oh you think you know me and you think you're smarter I, than me i and, do know you i'm not yeah. smarter than you but i know you i've been in this i've been in this spot <laughs> since i was six year old yeah. yeah and so i wonder i and and i see i see elements of you in me and so that's why I go to therapy. I'm trying to figure out because there are elements about you that I don't like in myself. And I see you, I see you do this. And don't get me wrong, there are parts of yeah. you that I love. Yeah. And parts of you that have driven me to be parts of you that are in me that that they provide the drive and the entrepreneurial yeah. and and the creativity. And th- don't get me wrong, but there's these other things. And I, and I keep I keep running from them. Yeah. Woof. Yeah, it's it's scary because I don't have a great success rate in having um, conversations with you know uh, the men in my family. Mm-hmm. So my brother and my dad. Those two people. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't have a great track record having conversations like, hey, can we talk about this thing? Um, because historically, it's resulted in. This is your problem. You're being ridiculous. I'm out. And they leave. <laughs> and that's tough for me to go through. It's not the end of the world. I, it gets but, resolved. But, but, but to me in that moment, it's like, yes, this is my problem. And mm-hmm. you're somebody I love. Mm-hmm. You're somebody that's involved in this. I know. Um, and so I, I would love to be able to figure this out. Yeah, it is my problem, but... Y- you're also involved in yep. it, Dad. I know. Oof. It is scary. I mean, a lot of this is just nerves. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, who's to say how it'll go? And what you that quote you said, what's that poem? Uh, the bitterest tears shed over graves are for words left unsaid and deeds left undone. Yep. And I've read so many, like... Um, you know, comments on videos or just threads on Reddit talking about like, oh, like what's one thing you wish you told your dad before? Yeah. And it's just so many people being like, I really wish I had a conversation with my dad before he's gone. Um, I, what's scary is I could easily see that being me for as much therapy as I do and as much EMDR. It's still, I'm still scared of, you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just uh, being the isolation, you know? There's always that thread of like, I won't talk to you ever again. You know, that was always on the table with my dad. That's not going to happen. He would threaten with that a lot. Sure, he could threaten yeah. it. I don't know if he will. I don't know him at all, but I don't know if he will. And if he does, he won't stand by it. I know. That's what I would hope. But he's so, that's what's so tough is I can see him like in the moment he gets so caught up in his emotions that he like commits to stuff. And then when he calms down, He's like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. But he's so stubborn. He's like, well, I said it, so I got to stick to it now. You know, like it's almost comical. He paints himself into a corner. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And he's so proud, and he's so smart that he'll figure out a way to like 
He's like, okay, well, this is why I was in the right to say this and do this. He's very, very, he was a very, very good lawyer. He could construct an argument for himself. He sounds very defended. Yeah, yes, extremely. Started. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I don't know him, but that's what it sounds like. Yeah, billion percent. I, I, we, um, there's stuff about him. I didn't know, um, which, you know, I didn't know he had a, um, a stepbrother until probably like five years ago. Mm. And I was like, really? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And he, was, he just, there's so much about that man that I do not know. And I don't need to know. It's wow. fine. Why? I'd love to, but I'm not going to press him to, you know, if it makes him uncomfortable. I think he feels comfortable writing. He, he says he's writing a book. And I think it's going to be one of those things that when he dies, he's going to give it to us. And he'll be like, see, this explains everything, hopefully. <laughs> I think that's going to be his <laughs> like approach. A treasure map in reverse. Yeah. Huh. This is why I was the way that I was, and please forgive me. It would be my guess is what he's um, working on. Because okay he had a, Are you like if if that's the plan, if that's the way it goes, are you okay with that? That would make me sad because I'd want to say, dude, you could have brought this to me, and we could have talked about it. Yeah. I could have hugged you, and yeah, yeah. How about pissed off? Yeah, just sad. Yeah, sad, pissed off. Like what the crap? You had yeah, this opportunity. Yep. And I think that speaks to how scary it can be to confront those things. Yeah. It's, it's, I think what's so exhausting is I feel sadness. I feel anger. I don't know which one to, you know, I don't know. I mean, my guess is they're both connected. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I feel, I get annoyed that there are things even after the EMDR and then the George session and the Dr. Steve session, there are things that, I could talk in circles around it and it's still going I'm still going to be scared to do it. You know, I'm still going to avoid it. Uh, and that is sort of having honest meaningful conversations right with my parents. I mean even with Haley like there are times where it's taken me a lot to work up to, hey, can we talk about this? Yeah. George and I worked a ton on um a couple of conversations that I wanted to have with her and I was just too scared of I didn't know how she's going to take it. I thought it was same kind of principle. Not, I wasn't worried about an angry response, but more so I was worried about a very emotional response that would be like, you know, it's like... That you would have to manage. Yeah, it's like once you say something, it becomes real, right? In a way. Yeah. Then you got to deal with it, an elephant yeah. in the room, you know, and we worked through that, worked through it, and worked through it, and lo and behold, every time I had the conversation, maybe it was a little dicey for the first week or so, but long run, way better than not having it at all. Mm-hmm. Way, 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 way better. Yeah, right. And I know there's a part of my brain that's like, as I'm talking right now, that's like, hey, Alex, you just got to do it. You know, like, we know how this ends. You either do it or you don't. You don't need to rationalize circles around it. I feel the same way for you about this. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm your Instagram story was, yep, I'm just getting out of EMDR. I'm going to go talk to George about EMDR. I wonder what Dr. Steve thinks about this. <laughs> and I think you cut out all of that when you have the conversation with the people who need to be involved. And yeah. I secretly want your dad to listen to this episode. Yeah. Me, me. Well, he might. I mean, he, he there's a, who knows? He, he's very coy. He's very, he's private guy. I remember I, when I first was uh, performing as a rapper, I my first show was at this place called Honey in Northeast Minneapolis. And 
believe it or not, it was a quite the shock to my parents. I don't think they thought it was real. Um, I still don't. But yeah. yeah. I got all these flyers made. I spread the word around. Um, and I get there, and it's this tiny venue. And in the back row, I see this guy wearing a hat and sunglasses. <laughs> and I'm like... Incognito. Not, I mean, clearly it's my dad. And I go up to him, I'm like, Dad, why didn't you tell me you were coming? And he had this big smirk on his face and he said, uh, what did he, he starts smiling, he's like, I didn't have to pay the cover. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I just walked in and they said nothing. And he started laughing. Uh -huh. and I, he was so proud that he didn't have that to he pay. dodge the cover <laughs> charge. <laughs> I just remember thinking like, that's a funny, positive memory I have, but also it's fascinating to think Instead of being like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm excited. He like didn't want me to know. You know. He wanted to be in the background. He's a very private dude. I don't think he wanted other people to know he was going. Mm. Um, yeah. Very, very guarded man. Very guarded man. And uh, I was like, I'm going to do the exact opposite. I'm going to be completely unguarded. Just an exhibitionist. Yeah, yeah I know. That's this, what I'm referencing. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just... I guess I'm afraid I'd say it wrong. I'd do it wrong. You know, mastery. mastery brain. I'm afraid that I'd, I'd, <clears throat> I'd, I'd attach any negative reaction with like, well, Alex, you, you fucked that up. You should have approached it this mm. way. You should have... So that's why I want to practice, you know, practice well what if this happens what if that you know as opposed to but i think if you practice too much you get stymied totally totally it's a defense it's probably like me avoiding right mm -hmm. but i am afraid of feeling like i mess it up if it goes wrong mm. um which is i don't know how it goes wrong i think it just goes yeah yeah i wish i could feel that way dude but if in my head it's like oh it feels like it's going wrong it's not supposed to be this way and uh, that's just the way, that's just a feeling I have. And I wonder if other people listening are like, yep, know exactly what you're talking about. But I, like, in my brain agrees with you. My, my heart and soul, it feels much different. I keep thinking about um, Field of Dreams. Mm hmm. You familiar great with the movie? Film. Yeah, great, Matt. Yeah, same. That's why it was such a great movie. So many dads and sons probably saw that and were like, damn. Yeah. It's funny because I saw that as a kid and I got it, but I didn't appre I didn't ap appreciate it way more now. Yeah. Um when I was a kid I was just like, Oh, okay, yeah, dad this 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 guy and his dad had some issues, but you can't really know what that means when you're eight years old. With me, I was like, Yeah, my dad is a jerk. I get it. You know, like but you don't realize you know, when you're thirty six and it's like, oh, Things, what was it? Deeds undone, things on. The bitterest tears shed over graves are for deeds left undone. Words left unsaid. Words left undone. Words left unsaid. Yep. Words left unsaid. Yeah. Yep. Well. So what's it going to take for you to have a catch with uh, your dad? <laughs> uh, my dad's French, so he doesn't know how to play catch. He could play yeah. uh, cricket. <laughs> he could, <laughs> maybe he could play uh, Yahtzee. Yeah, I don't know what they uh, play in they France. Play, we used to play soccer together. But yeah, we could go for a walk. He likes to go for a walk. We go for a walk. Chess. Mm -hmm. 
We used to play chess together. <clears throat> I remember that. He loved teaching me chess. But I, did, I couldn't, didn't have it in me to ever beat him. So I let him win. And he'd be like, are you letting me win? Mm. I just couldn't. Does he know that now? I don't know. I just have one specific memory where I saw he had messed up. And I could didn't have it in me to capitalize. I felt too bad. Because I didn't want my dad to feel bad. I didn't want him to feel stupid or like, you know. But what's it going to take? Yeah, that would scare the sh shit out of me. That just so stress, so much stress. Um, but it is, yeah. Something I got to do. Put on my to-do list. It's also interesting what you said about how you made that connection or, or that suggestion that, you know, me doing EMDR, me talking about it with George, me talking to you, all of that replaces, all of that is, could be fixed by just having the conversation. I think so. So it's like all of this, like nervous circling. energy. Yeah, circling. Circling. Yeah. Can't land. Yeah. yeah. Circling. Circling. Mm -hmm. Sometimes getting closer, you know, um, trying things out. And that is something that George said. He was like, all, you know, you seeing me, you seeing Michelle, you seeing Dr. Steve, it may seem like a lot, but you're spiraling up. You're, you're, it, it'll lead you to something. Because like, I think about this conversation we're having right now, and I'm thinking about how I feel about having a conversation with my dad, and, yeah. and I'm taking it seriously right now. Yeah. And I'm like registering like, yeah, you're, we're gonna do, we're probably gonna do this, you know. I don't know when, but we know that this is something that has to be done. And who's to say? Yeah, I I believe that that this moment comes from um, the work, which you might say the work is a distraction from the moment. But I would argue on the flip side, like, I don't know if I would have been ever, I don't know if I'd ever do it if it wasn't for all of these conversations. Yeah, even, That's how scary it is for me. Yeah, so I appreciate what, what George is saying about that. I mean, I, I can I can see that. And I and I see another side of it that, that yes. the circling keeps yes. you from landing the plane, yep. right? I think that's, we're circling above MSP and we're yep. going to have to do this for another couple hours and... And I think that's your job as a provider, as a therapist, to, to discern whether a person is circling or they are circling for landing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. yep, yep. Yeah. Don't tell me what my job is. <laughs> How the turntables <laughs> have turned. <laughs> yeah, because you can be you can be circling, thinking, "Hey, we're." In the air, we're making progress. We're a thousand we're, feet lower this yeah. time than we were, you know. And and it can kind of keep you stuck too. I totally agree with that. And I think from what I'm telling you is, this is how big of a deal it is for me. Yeah, I'm hearing that. Um, which you know maybe that makes me, yeah. You need to watch the last part of that movie where Ray finally has a catch with his dad. Let's say spoilers. Some people haven't seen it yet. Oh come on! If you haven't seen it, <laughs> no, I know it was a very, you know. There's a moment you're like, are they going to acknowledge it? They know who they are. And then finally he's like, hey, dad. He's like, yeah. It's like they knew the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a beautiful, beautiful. It was a great movie. Yeah. It really was. I'll rewatch it with Haley because she'll be like, what's this movie you guys were talking about? So there's a, <clears throat> there's a quote in that movie 
And I think about it. I think, I think about therapy when I think about it. Jesus, uh, no, it's when they're they're on the bench watching a game, and the brother-in-law, played by Timothy Busfield, says, "Ray, you got to sell. You got to yeah, sell yeah. the farm. Yep. You're get, they're coming. They're going to take it. You got to sell it to me. I can at least rent it to you, and you can be here and work the land." Blah blah blah. And James Earl Jones says, "Don't sell it, Ray. Don't sell it. People will come." People will come. They won't know why, but they'll come. And he says, because it is money that they have and peace that they lack. Mm-hmm. And so I think about that for therapy sometimes. That, yeah, it, it costs money to do this. You are, you are sitting down with a, a trained mental health professional who has a body of knowledge behind themselves and their training. Um, and I have, because there are a lot of people who complain about the money for therapy and how much it costs. But when you get with someone who can provide that peace mm-hmm. and give you a new perspective, help you arrive at a new perspective, it's there's there's no money, there's no price tag that can. It's kind of interesting that your favorite quote from the movie is one that sort of justifies your ridiculous billable hour rate. <laughs> it's <laughs> and it's so true. Hey, you don't need to. You know, you uh, same team, man. No, I know you. I'm preaching to the choir, but I do, th- I do think that's no. I agree. I think it's a great th- quote. I think there are many they people. Have peace that they lack is. I mean, that in and of itself is super powerful. Yeah. And um, therapy is like there are barriers to entry, and to- totally. I take it for granted that, and Obamacare was huge for this reason. I before back in the day, it was not covered. You couldn't get. Insurance, you know, you wouldn't have to pay a copay. You'd ha- I remember when I first started therapy, I paid the full hourly rate. Insurance yeah. would not cover it. Yeah. Um, and God bless Obamacare. I started going from one hundred and fifty dollars an hour to twenty five dollars an hour. Yeah. Which that makes a huge difference. Uh, but yeah. No, that is a great quote. It's money they have, peace that they lack. And James Earl Jones, such a great voice. And um, yeah, there were so many great subplot lines, you know, like Moonlight Graham, that character, like that was a great plot line. Yeah, it was awesome. Great movie. And I will. That's going to be the title of this podcast, of this episode. What what is Field of Dreams? Easer's Pain? Yeah. I think this is a good place to wrap up. Yeah, me too. Uh, a lot for me to think about. I think when I'm my immediate plan of action is to have a couple of more conversations over a period of six months about this subject, <laughs> and then we'll make a couple. We gotta make another pass. <laughs> We're being rerouted to Cleveland. Yeah, we'll fuel up. Yeah, we'll be able to head back. <laughs> we got some storms. We're low on fuel here. No, it's. Uh, it must be frustrating from your chair. Or not frustrating, but like you must see a lot of people who talk. It's like everyone knows what needs to be done and you're just circling. You must see a ton of circling. Yeah, I see a lot of circling. Yeah, and I'd, be, I'd love to know what you circle around about because I feel like every human being circles around stuff. Like you come from this perspective of like, you know, showboating, have conversations with his own father. Like, okay. But what are the things that, you know, you circle around? 
maybe our listeners can yeah hypothesize yep all right well we'll save that for another episode um i'm not going to tie a bow on this life is messy it's good it's bad but be kind to yourself but be kind to yourself and those around you and those around you and or keep circling or keep circling better safe than sorry nothing too much of a bow (laughs) (laughs) all right see you guys later Bye. bye